This is a spirit angel to the church of the Laodiceans. Now, there are some who go and try to say all the church ages are all in one. And that not only could you be in the church of the Philadelphia age, you could be in the church of the Laodiceans and all them. But at the same time, you're with the Laodicean church. All at the same time. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. God wrote these churches in a specific order for a specific reason. He was trying to show us the dispensations of grace. That way you could be prepared. I've never seen a church like the present churches of today that fit this description of the Laodicean church better than what we have today. So, to us, the church of the Laodicean period, he says, okay, go ahead, Danny. Write these things as the amen, faithful and true witness. Think of the creation of God. Now, hold it. The JWs love this verse. Do you know that, Danny? They love a portion of that verse. Oh, they love it. They love to twist this and have it prove <coughs> to say the amen, the faithful, and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. They try to say that is Jesus, and it proves that Jesus was the first thing God created. Uh, hey, you bunch of retards. The beginning of the grace doesn't mean that it's the creation of that race. No, the beginning of the race means that's when it starts. That's the beginning. There is nothing before that. Come on here. Yeah. Beginning means beginning, end means end. Hello? The beginning of the creation of God. That is Jesus. He was there at the beginning. He was the one said, let there be. Hello, JWs. Yeah. Jehovah didn't create Jesus, and then Jesus create everything else. He wasn't no master worker. Yeah. Amen. All right. Get a Amen. life. Come on, Danny. I know thy works that was uh, are neither cold nor hot. I would now work cold or hot. Ho. Uh, does that describe today's church or what? Yes. Lukewarm. They're lukewarm. There's maybe one or two that are on real fire for God. And the rest of them... There, well, it's okay if you want to serve the Lord and pass out your tracks. And then there's a couple in the church that, oh, you should never do that. People will get offended. Well, let them get over it. Get over Oh, well, you'll lose all your friends. 
Well, it's better to have two saved friends than the whole world of lost ones. Well, they'll get mad. Let them get glad again. Amen. Amen. Hey, well, I got it figured. The way I got it figured, if that ain't a description of the church of today, something's wrong with it. The middle ground ones, they're holding their own. And the few really on fire ones are being offset by the dead ones who say you should never go do your soul winning. And so when you get done, it's nothing but lukewarm. You know what lukewarmness equals? Deadness. Amen. What does God have to say about a lukewarm church? Well, let's find out. Go ahead, Danny. And because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Now, Jesus said, because you're neither cold, you're not real ice cold, I can't have you as a nice cold, uh, um, I can't have you as an ice cold iced tea. And I can't have you as a hot cup of tea or hot cup of coffee. Since you're just in the middle, the only thing you do to me is you make me sick, is what God said. And I'm going to say this as nicely as I can. He says, I'm going to vomit you out. That's what he does. God gets sick. Over a lukewarm church. Amen. Go on, Danny. If thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Stop. What did God say the very first attribute outside of the church being dead? neither cold nor hot, what was the first attribute that God said was the very first attribute of them neither being cold nor hot, what was the first attribute he gave them? He says, because thou sayest, what was the first thing the church said about it said? We're rich. Uh, rich and increased with goods and had need of nothing. Uh, excuse me. Would anybody mind trying to explain to me how a church becomes rich and increased with goods and having need of nothing? Would anybody mind to explain that to me? Uh, come on, preachers. Preachers out there, how do you get your church to be rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing? There's only one way you're going to do it. I'm going to pull over and park at these preachers. The only way you're going to get your churches rich, increase with goods, and having need of nothing is when you cater to the rich. Only way. Only way. The only way you're going to be rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing is when a rich person comes into the church and you say, Hey, buddy, come on over here and sit right on down. We're so glad you came. 
But when the poor person comes in his rags, you say, oh, well, we ain't got much room for you. Go sit in the, uh, the back corner over there. Oh, oh, no, no, I got a better idea. Right here, under my feet. Uh, what did James have to say about that? What did James have to say about that? We've already studied that. James said, you're showing partiality of persons and you're in sin. You're partial. You're a respecter of persons and you're in sin. You cannot be rich and increase with goods, Laodicea Church, unless you are a respecter of persons. This ain't an this ain't this is not a new problem. This ain't new. This is not new. This is an old problem. James wouldn't have written about it unless it was already going on. Hello? James wouldn't have wrote about it unless it must have been going on at the time when he wrote it. It's age old. And here, John, writing the book of Revelation, by Holy Spirit inspiration said, Look, the church would say they're rich and increase with goods, having need of nothing. But what was... Now, that was their assessment. What did God say their assessment was? God said, hold it. You may thought you did great. You may be thinking you're doing good. Well, that's because you're doing good on earth. You got your heaven on earth. But to be honest, when it comes to eternity, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. And what does God go on to tell him? Just go ahead now, Danny, up to about verse 20. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment. Thou mayest that the shame of thy nakedness not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salves. Thou mayest Hold it a minute. I do need to stop there. Now, God counseled them to take. He says, now, you're poor, blind, and naked. Now, take and get you some gold tried in the fire. That means go and get you some sufferings, Cruz Maddox. Go suffer a little bit for my name's sake. Get some gold tried in the fire, then you'll be rich. Not here on earth, but up in heaven. You get gold tried in the fire, that's when you go out. Do you know Jesus? And then when you go to say that, and the next thing you see is something spits in your face. That's gold tried in the fire. White raiment that you may be clothed. You know what the white raiment is? The robe of righteousness which you'll get when you get saved. God is saying some of these people ain't even saved. And I said, we're all talking spiritual now. I said that you may see. What? See the needs of real people? Open up your eyes. The problem is they're poor, blind, and naked. 
in the spiritual sense, while on the physical sense, they may have everything going for them. And then what, now you notice, God gave them counsel in these verses, and then what does he go on to say? Well, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. You know why God's having to chasten their butt? Because God had to rebuke and chasten their butts because they weren't listening to his counsel to get the ISAB and the white raiment and the gold trod in the fire. So you got a death church on top of it. They're not just blind, they're deaf too. They took the phone off the hook. They won't listen to God. Go ahead, Danny. Tell us therefore and repent. Hold, I stand at the door and knock. Any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him, up with him. Him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me on my throne, even as I also overcame and sat down Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith. Now, God had something to say here. He said, look, after I'm done chastening your behind, what you need to do is be zealous, therefore repent, get right with God, and after you repent and get right with God, you'll be able to know that He is God. You need to be zealous and repent. Because Jesus is standing outside the door of all these churches. Let me in. And you know what they're doing? They're ignoring him. You know, Danny, there was a story. Jesus and the devil were outside of this one church one day. The devil had just come out of the church. And he was crying and boo-hooing and everything. Jesus says, what's the matter with you, Satan? And the devil says, they're in there telling lies about me. Jesus said, lies? What kind of lies? Those people are in there saying, I don't go to church. And Jesus says, I shut up. Shut up. Shut up, Satan. And then the devil says, why should I shut up? But they're talking about, wait a minute. I'd rather be lied about and be in church rather than for 2,000 years knocking on the door and not being let in. He says, so what are you griping about? At least you're getting in. I've been knocking for 2,000 years and they ain't even opened the door. I've been knocking for 2,000 years. I haven't even opened the door yet. But you notice something? A verse the JFWs don't like. Danny, I want you to get your NWT. I want you to read this out of the JW Bible. I want you to see something here. In their own Bible, they still verify that there's only one throne. Verse 21 is awesome. Because Jesus said... Him that overcometh, 
Well, I grant to sit with me in my throne the same as I am sit down with my father in his throne. Now, in the King James, there's only but one throne. It's singular, throne. It's singular, it says throne, not thrones. But now let's look what the JW, NWT, Nasty Witch's Toilet says. Let's see what it has to say. The one that conquers, I will grant to sit down with me on my throne, even as I conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. One throne, one throne. There's only one throne. Jesus says he is letting the people sit on his throne. And Jesus said, I am sitting down with the Father on his throne. There's only but one throne throughout the whole verse. Well, Jesus and the Father can't be two separate people if, unless there's two separate thrones, and they're not there. So the JFWs, oh, that's another verse they hate. They hate Revelation 3.21. Oh, but they'll go and they'll say, well, that's figurative. It's not talking about a literal throne. Well, then excuse me, but either way, no matter how you slice it, they have to be the same person. Even if you say, well, it's a, a matter of authority, well, then why would Jesus have the same authority as the Father if he wasn't the Father? <laughs> yeah. Amen. Yeah. Either way, I don't care how you slice it, JWs, they're still the same God. Amen. Now, I want us to go one last text of Scripture, and we're going to let Ruthie read this for us. Matthew 6, a very familiar text, which tells us what we should be doing. I've already told us all about, we've been through what we've been doing wrong. Told us a little bit about what we should do. We shouldn't have respecter of persons. But I told you what the problems were. Now how about a little bit of a solution? Let's take a look at it. And Ruth, I want you to read this all the way through, and then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to close this thing up. All right? Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory of men, verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father, which seeth in secret himself, shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, but that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions, as the heathens do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head, and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and dust or moth and rush doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, or yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cupid unto his stature? And why take ye thought for a raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto the, you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall ye not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow should take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Well, I think that pretty much says it all. Says it all right there. See, the cruismatics like that last set of verses. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. And you know what they say these things mean? Money, cars, houses, uh, chapter and verse. No. It says these things. Well, in order to understand these things, you've got to go back a few verses and you'll find out that what God was saying when he said, all these things will be added unto you. He meant, he meant all these things that would be added unto you when he went back a few verses meant your basic necessities of food, clothes, and shelter. He never said that he's going to give you a mansion on the hill. He never said he's going to give you a, 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 a white picket fence around your yard. He didn't say he's going to give you the limo out in the drive. And he didn't say he's going to get Chester to drive it for you. <laughs> Amen. 
All he said was, all God said was, if you seek his face, he would take care of what it does say, and God shall supply all your need. Your need. Not your wants, not your hopes, your wishes, your dreams, all of your need. He'd take care of all your need. What is your needs? You have the need of a shelter. But it doesn't mean a mansion. He didn't say you may need transportation, but he didn't say he's giving you a limo. You may need clothing, but he didn't say he's going to give you a suit that costs $40,000 for a sleeve. Hello? Unless it's absolutely essential for your life to have that kind of a suit, he ain't giving it to you. You know why people want that kind of stuff? As James already said. So they could consume it upon their lust. They want to consume upon their own lusts. We don't pray in the will of God. We don't say, God, if you be willing, would you give me such and so? Instead of saying, God, would you give me a good home to live in? But if we say, God, I want that five-bedroom house, you ain't got no need for five bedrooms. Especially if you're single and live by yourself. If you're single and live by yourself, what do you need with five bedrooms? And what you going to do with five bedrooms? Have a bunch of girlfriends? Have a bunch of girlfriends live in sin? Huh? I don't think so. I think you ought to keep yourself away from the girlfriends. Amen. Go, go court them girls. Amen. Court a girl, and if she don't turn out to be the kind that's going to be your wife, you go find somebody else. But don't you go sinful into sin and sinful stuff by running off with 18 women who don't care. Amen. Yes, I believe in the old-fashioned courting. Amen. It works. Amen. Uh, that's a sermon for another day. Trust me. The difference between courts and Dayton. Amen. I'll tell you what, there ain't no word in that Bible about Dayton. Amen. But the whole thing is, what does God want us to do? God wants us to stand back and ask ourselves a most important question tonight. To you in the churches, He wants to ask you a question. To you pastors, he wants you to ask yourself a question. When the poor man walks into your door, and he's been there for six months to a year, or longer, how do you treat them? Do you treat them like they're just somebody to put a notch on your gun and a a, a, a name to put on your membership role to make you look better? Just to make you look better, to give you more glory? And that's all. But the rest of the time, you're kicking them. And then when they leave, and then when they leave, you're going to sit there and say, 
They're in sin. You treat them like a dog, and then when they go to leave because of the abuse from you in your church, and I emphasize your church, not Christ's church, but your church, they leave, and then you say they're lost. They're lost. I'd like to look at one more scripture. I want you to think on this. Isaiah... I mean, not Isaiah, um, Job 40. Job 40, I believe is where it's at. I think it's around 1 through 10. Mm-hmm. I want to look at this. And Ruth, I want you to read this for me, all right? Yeah. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he that contended with the Almighty instruct him? He that reproveth God, let him answer it. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay mine hand upon my mouth. Once I have spoken, but I will not answer, yea, twice, but I will proceed no further. Then answered the Lord unto Job out of the whirlwind, and said, Gird up thy loins now, like a man. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. Wilt thou also disannul my judgment? Wilt thou condemn me, that thou mayest be righteous? Hast thou an arm like God, or canst thou thunder with a voice like him? Deck thyself now with majesty and excellency, and array thyself with glory and beauty. You notice, though, what it said? God is saying, look, Job, if you think you could do any better, why don't you try? You can't do nothing. Sometimes I put you through a trial and a tribulation. See, Job had finally gotten through to God, and God had to finally answer Job, wait a minute, who put the world here? Remember, Job is the oldest book ever written, okay? And you want to know something that's awful funny, Danny? Yes. Job is the oldest book in the Bible written. Now, when did man discover that the earth was round? 1492. Well, actually, they were able to prove it even before Columbus. There was a guy who had heard about the fact that a well in a place about 40 or so miles south of him at a certain day at a certain time, would have no shadow whatsoever. But yet, at the same time, same day, in the area of which he lived, there would be a shadow. He said, now, wait a minute. If the earth is flat, right? The earth is flat. The same thing would occur there as it's going to occur here. 
There would be no shadows here nor there. But the only way there would be shadows here but not there at this time of day is the earth would have to be round. And so by paying somebody to walk it, uh, walk it, step by step and literally measure the distance between the point of his observation and the observation where these people were saying there was no shadows, he was able to then by adding it up and figuring out the amount of degrees in a circle that those shadows would have to be to make those kind of differences, he said, now wait a minute. He was able to calculate within only a few miles of the exact circumference of the earth. Okay? But now wait a minute. That was only like 16, way back in about 1600s and maybe a little bit before that, right? Well, Job is even older than that. And Job said, who sits upon the circle of the earth? When they finally got a rocket and got men up in that rocket to head to the moon, for the first time on Apollo 8 with Jim Lovell, uh, excuse me, but what did they find? They looked back at the earth and they found it was round. You mean you guys had to do all that to figure out the earth was round? All I had to do was read my Bible. I didn't have to pay nobody. I didn't have to get on a rocket and go up there. Amen. But see, God had to say to Job, Look, you're fussing over what you need. When in fact, There's, you don't need anything. You just need to trust me. But what the sad part about the church is, see, there's a scripture that talks about that you literally take, you literally take from the widow, you take from the poor, and you let them go hungry. We found that over there when we first started studying in Ezekiel 34. We found that over there. It says the pastors, the shepherds, literally kicked them out. You know, that's the sad part. When the scripture says it. And then when you read that, all you find is that people just will not stand for truth. Well, preachers, churches, let me ask you a question. What do you do with it? What are you going to do with it tonight? So tonight, as we get ready to close, let me ask you tonight, do you know Jesus? Heavenly Father, Lord, it's been a tough message. You don't hear typically of people that preach on this. 
You don't hear of people that get up and preach about the way people are being treated in the churches. You don't hear of pastors that get up and have their guts to say, it's wrong. But Lord, somebody's got to stand up. Lord, right now, tonight, I ask you, Lord, that you would touch this invitation time. And let people know that tonight, right here tonight, that they need to ask themselves a valuable question. The question being, what are they going to tell you? Well, tonight, Lord, we open up the altar for what it should be opened up for. A time of repentance, a time of renewal. And Lord, for, for those who don't know you, Lord, we ask them to come to you, Lord. Lord, tonight, help them to look at the Lamb, which is you, Jesus. To look at the Lamb and know that the only way into heaven is through the Lamb, Lord. So, Lord, tonight, this altar is for people to get straight. This altar is for people to get saved. And this altar is for people to get their hearts right, for shepherds, preachers, to open their heart and say, I've had enough, and I don't wish, I don't want to continue the way I've been going. I don't want to continue to live like I've been doing, treating people the way I've been treating them. Lord, help them tonight. Help them to see, Lord, their need for you. Lord, we ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. We want to ask you to take a look at Jesus. Because this altar is for people to get right with God. This altar is for you. If you've been treating people in the church, whether you're pastor or a person on the pew, if you've been treating people like a dog just because they have no money, get right with God. If you've been out there as a pastor showing favoritism to somebody just because they got money get right with God tonight tonight's your night tonight is your night get right with God how about it tonight Give it to Jesus. Just give it to Jesus. Because it's only Jesus who will straighten out the problem for you. Give it to Him. How about it tonight? You don't have to carry those burdens You don't have to carry them. There's people out there that we should be loving to Jesus. And there's love 
And those that are in the church, it's sad that when we're treating them so bad, they just want to run. How about it? I'm thankful that we're going to be known around here as the church that wants to keep people no matter what they are. But I challenge this church even in its infancy, in its infancy, to take a stand against that prejudice, against people that are poor, inconvenienced, or whatever. Don't worry about what people are unable to do. Worry about what they can do. Thanking God they've come. There's an old man. How about it tonight? You don't know Jesus. This is your time. We want to see you get saved. He's held back for you. Hearts are being broken. I want you to know that even though I'm going to ask you to say a prayer, it won't save you. Those who call upon him. But if you really mean it in your heart and you say your own prayer that is very similar to this, very similar, you could say something very similar to this, not exactly like it, but this is just an example. If you say something like this, the Lord will save you. See, the Bible gives us an example itself, several examples. One is, God be merciful to me, a sinner. It's as simple as it can get. Another one might be, Lord, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I admit I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And Lord, would you save me? I believe your Son died and rose again from the grave to save my soul from hell. Thank you for saving me in the name of Jesus. Amen. Those are just some simple ones. You don't have to be flowery. With your words, all you got to do is ask Jesus into your heart. Just, God be merciful to me, a sinner is good enough. That's right. But now, I'm going to let this song go one more time. One more time. Just so we know. In this church, just so in here, us in this church, Truth, Freedom, Fellowship, this is our time as well. I'm going to sit this mic down because sometimes preachers fail to give themselves the invitation. I'm giving this invitation to me too. So I'm going to put this mic down and let this be a time for all of us. The choir is just That old song is played People at the altar Kneeling down to pray Some are finding mercy Forgiveness for their sins Some are fighting battles They've been struggling to win The time has come That's what this altar is for That's what this altar is for 
Jesus, we thank you. We praise your name, Lord, that there is something in the Bible that gives us direction. Lord, this thing when people say, I'll pray about it, it's an excuse. And every poor person in the world knows it. I'll pray about it. Most oldest used up line. When, Lord, you already told them the answer to that prayer if they'd only read the Bible. It's like a telephone with only the mouthpiece on there. They just want to run their mouth at you, but they don't want to listen to what you already had to say. You already answered the prayer. You told them to do it. Do something about the problem instead of complaining. So, Lord, we thank you now for the message. In the name of Jesus... Amen. 